Hello there. You're about to listen to an episode of Food and L Talk, Legacy Food and L Talks. You know, in 2023, Food and L Talks rebranded and relaunched as change makers. But all the episode we've recorded up to this point is still available for you to listen. And you're just about to listen to one of them. Enjoy it. And don't forget, Food and L Talks is now Change Maker Podcast. Thank you. Welcome to a new episode of the Food and Health Talks podcast, a show focused on educating and empowering people to create a healthier future through nutrition and wellness education. A show where you will find interviews with leading scientists making groundbreaking discoveries, innovators, and global food industry leaders. It is that show you do not want to miss with your host, Dr. Julia Oleanju. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Food and Health Talks. On this episode, I have an exceptional group of people with me. They are the leaders at SUS. It's an innovative egg production company, and they are reversing sex in poultry embryos, helping to reduce waste, driving sustainability, and improving egg production. So we're going to learn all about them and what they do today. I'm so excited to have you, the founder, Yahel and Ifrat, joining us today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we could get started right away. We want to learn more about you. Everyone has a story. So what exactly has been your journey up to this point? What led you to um, starting this company and leading the change that you're leading today in the food industry? Okay, I'll do my best to answer this question. Um, in my background, I've been a CEO of several company, most of them in the agriculture field. Okay. Um, I didn't grow in a farm, okay, or something like that. I'm a city girl, uh, but somehow, and I learned economics. That's what I learned uh, during my uh, academic uh, um, time. So, but somehow, I don't know what leads me all the time to manage an agriculture company. Uh, I used to run an ostrich farm in Israel, the biggest one, and one of the biggest in the world. Uh, I run a very big uh, potato and uh, potato company that had a very big uh, production in Israel and in Russia. Um, and before SUS, I, I was a manager of a company that built big poultry integration worldwide in Israel and all around the globe. And it's not me, the person that find out uh, that sex reversal uh, can actually happen uh, during, uh, with sound vibration. It's completely other person. His name is Nashat. Uh, this guy is uh, working in his daily basis at the um, manager of the blood laboratory in one of the hospitals in Israel. But we just met accidentally. And when I said accidentally, we just sit in some room where many, many people sit there in some kind of agricultural exhibition. And he just approached me and say, I don't know why I approached you from all the people in this room, uh, but ha I have an idea and I know how to do sex reversal in poultry. Mm -hmm. So I told him half joking, you must be Bill Gates. 
That's really a remarkable uh, journey. I mean, someone just meeting you somewhere started something really remarkable. Um, Ifrat, I would like to learn more about you as well. You're leading the US division of the company. Uh, tell us how you got started on this path as well. Um, okay, so I think that my story is also amazing in, in some way or another. Um, the first time I, I heard about, first of all, I'm a very fascinated about food tech and technologies and all the things that's related to, to animal welfare as well. So the first time I heard about Seuss, it was, um, I think that Yael made a, a pitch to some of the, some of the investors in the upstate New York. And I heard about the idea and I said, no way. It's not healthy. It's not good. It's GMO. It will ruin the eggs. 
like what the it's not it's it it can be nobody can approve it the regulation will not allow it so i started to read a lot more about it and um after a few months um i just realized that what i knew and what i thought about it is not really is Yael came to visit uh, the U.S. after she after Sus won the Grow New York competition. We'll probably talk about it later. Um, and then uh, we met, and I started to know a little bit more about the the company. And from that uh, point, I think that uh, I'm started to be the general manager. I didn't know what I'm getting it, getting in, and I think that now I know more about the egg industry than I even thought about it. Um, and just to tell you that I'm just really believing the company. And I think that this is, let's put aside the technology and the best that it will do for the egg production. I think for the animal welfare and for the environment, it's uh, the best, it's the best. That's great. And, and yeah, let's, let's step back a little bit and just talk about the problem you're solving because obviously there is a problem here that you, you believe that SUS can solve. So let's discuss those problems, um, sustainability concerns, the food waste. Let's talk a bit about the problem your company is solving. So the first problem that our company is solving is the fact that every year, more than 7 billion male chicks exterminated because Two reasons, they cannot gain weight the same as the broiler male. Uh, a layer male will get to a weight of about 1.8 kilogram at the age of one year. And a broiler male will get to a weight of almost three kilogram at the age of 37 days. So of course it's completely different animals. It's completely different chicken and the male are not, the layer male are not efficient in any way in the poultry industry. So, Eventually we need to eat and people are matter, okay? And egg is one of the cheapest and healthiest protein uh, that we can find and we, that, can, that can be feed uh, many, many, many population globally. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason it's super important to keep the egg industry as an industry and not to destroy the industry. But in the other hand, you need to solve the problem of cooling the male chicks. So that's the first problem. Second problem is that, of course, it's a waste of resources. It's the only factory. If you look at it as a factory, it's the only factory that losing 50% of the production, you are doing the full process, okay? You hatched eggs for 10, 21 days, you waste electricity, you waste uh, resources, you waste water, you have carbon emission, and then you throw 50% of the production. So that's another issue. It's not just about money. It's just, of course, it's about money, but it's also about losing resources, important resources. That's the other thing. And the third issue is now it's part of the regulation. It, it doesn't as regulation in the US, but it's, it, there is regulation in Europe and Europe is leading in the animal welfare issue in general. And now it's banned to exterminate the male chicks in France and Germany. And I guess it will be in other European countries will follow. And I guess eventually most of the Western world will follow about that, but they don't have an end solution. Okay, it's in one hand, it's banned to exterminate the male chicks. And in the other hand, the industry doesn't have a real solution for that. So the outcome of this issue is the price of egg is going to be very expensive in those places. 
So France and Germany are rich country, I can say it like that. And the government can um, subsidize uh, the gap between the price that it's going to increase dramatically because if you need to grow the made cheeks, so the price per egg will be much more expensive. Or if you need to find a solution of identification that are very, very, very expensive identification, the male during the incubation period, the price per egg, again, going to be very expensive. So government can afford themselves, France and Germany can afford themselves to subsidize, but for how long? And eventually it will be too expensive and some of the population, even in rich companies, can't afford themselves to eat uh, this important protein. So that's the third problem that we are facing. Thank you. And uh, there are problems that a lot of people are very concerned about as well in terms of um, the general population uh, who cares so much about animals and care about the environment as well. So tell us a bit more about SUS. So you, we know the big picture that you do reverse um, you do reverse uh, sex in um, poultry embryo, but tell us a bit more about your company. What do you do? Okay. Um, so what we are doing in general from the technology perspective, and as I, I'll try to explain it a bit from technology perspective and also from biological perspective. From technology perspective, uh, we're trying to be as much as close to the way the industry used to work because we want the industry to, um, to adopt this technology and not kick it off, if I can say it like that. Uh, and if the industry will adopt the technology, it will be easier uh, to have the, to, um, how do I say, it? that the regulation will really exist and the industry don't find a way how to not to, to have the regulation, if I can say it like that. So that's in one hand. So we are, we are incubating fertilized eggs for 21 days. The difference between regular incubation and what we are doing is that the eggs in our incubation are exposed to sound. They are exposed to sound from day zero until day 16. Mm -hmm. In very certain, it's very certain uh, uh, frequencies and very, very accurate um, volume. It is super important to keep those, uh, 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 those parameters. And also we change a bit the humidity and temperature from regular incubation uh, process, but it's still regular process we still hatched eggs 21 days. That's super important. Mm -hmm. The frequencies, it's frequencies that you and I can hear. So it's not in a range that um, can damage the eggs or can damage the layer that will hatch from these eggs later on. So it's also important to say that. So that's how we operate that. The biggest challenge is the engineering challenge because the incubator is not very acoustic area. It's not a concert hall. I can say it like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many, many things that can interfere in the mid, in, in between. So that's the biggest challenge. And that's the reason currently we are achieving about 70% ratio instead of the 50-50 and not 100%. Mm -hmm. So that's the challenge that we need to face and that's the thing that we need to improve. So how we improve that? Uh, we are, we developed a sensor system that can measure many, many, many points in the incubator and collect the data of what the eggs actually hear, what the temperature in, the, in this area and what is the humidity in this area. And by collecting this uh, data and analyze it with machine learning, that's how we improve the way we transmit the sounds to the eggs. 
from cycle to cycle. So that's the technology in high level. Uh, from biological perspective, it is super important to me to say over and over again, we do not change the genetic. The genetic remains the same, okay? So we don't do GMO in any way. We are just mimicking nature the way reptiles or fish can change their sex, so our birds can change their sex. It's already proven, we didn't prove that. But of course we're doing it in commercial scale and not in a method of microbiology or other method. Um, so we receive a phenotypic female. What we're doing is on the RNA level and not the DNA. Now after the COVID situation, I think everybody know what RNA is. So we are doing it at the RNA level and not at the DNA level. So we receive a phenotypic female that look 100% like female. She had the same comb as female. Uh, she had an ovary and she can lay eggs. And that's super important at the same ratio and at the same quality as any other female. That's in one hand. And in the other hand, the genetic females do not change anything about themselves. It's not interfering for them, uh, the process that we are doing. Okay, so um, just to understand a bit more what you just explained in terms of the sex reversal and how the process works. So you're saying that you, don't, you do not interfere with the genome in any way. You, it, this is just regulating temperature to induce what ordinarily will happen in um, birds um, in nature. So what, what happens with, so you, you regulate the temperature and humidity, that's how you regulate. But what exactly are you trying to um, induce? What happens in nature um, that you're trying to induce in the lab or in the factory? What exactly is that process? Because I just thought that there's some things that pre, more like, um, they're, they're preconceived that we, we don't have control over. In terms of sex determination, I thought it's something that has happened earlier on in the process of embryo development. But at, at the look of things, it looks like your um, process changes something before um, sex is determined, right? Or No, no, that can't be changed because the sex determined the genetic sex determined during the day of um, breeding, okay? The sex determined at the breeding house. There is male, females, they, are they eat and breed, that's all they're doing. And then the commercial hatchery received the fertilized eggs from the parent's coop. That's the, the professional, uh, uh, that's a professional way to say. It. So you have a fertilized eggs, so the sex is already determined if it's a male or female, and in general, it will be 50-50 ratio. Okay. We are interfering, if I can say it like that, at the embryonic period. At okay. birds, you can, you can interfere between day zero until day six. In birds, the, the gonads uh, do not uh, develop in parallel the same as in mammals. We are mammals, and we have gonads that and develop in parallel. We have, the female have uh, two ovaries and male have two testicles. In birds, what happened is that they have in general two testicles. So if it's a female, genetically female, one of the testicles degenerate and the other one is developing as an ovary. 
and you can interfere in that between day zero until day six. Those are the critical day for uh, um, sexual uh, development in poultry embryos. Okay, so your, your intervention or your interference is post-sex determination. That's when you actually reverse. The sex has been yes. determined before, but you now reverse it to what you yes. want it to be. That's very exactly. interesting. That's really interesting. Yes, and exactly. Ifrat, is this already, are you already doing this in the US as well? Or is it still something that's done in, the U, um, in Israel, but you plan to introduce it to the US? How does that work? Actually, we started a, a pilot in the US a few months ago. And uh, we're doing our experiments during this time. So I'm, I'm just now sitting in a, in a place um, next to the incubator room where our, a little eggs with the babies inside are uh, getting the, the, the SUS treatment. Um, so yes, that's, um, it's very exciting. And uh, we are doing also here in the US a big research with a major uh, university in, in upstate New York um, to prove again and to make sure that our egg is just a regular egg and we are not changing anything with the eggs um, coming so, out of the food treatment so after the pilot how do you see this rollout do you think you need some F fda approval or do you think there's some process orders you have to cross to get it to consumers for now in the us there are no regulations, as yael explained before because you're not using any um voice or uh, transmit anything that is not allowed uh, or we cannot hear mm -hmm. so there is nothing yet here in the us i think that in europe and maybe yael can uh, add more i think there are regulation or they're trying to uh, do but actually we're not doing anything yeah. we're not changing anything in the in the process of the etching. okay Okay, and then um, so when you when you um, when you treat the the hex to all the different temperature changes and minute changes that you your process involves, do you think it changes the quality of the hex in any way? Whether it enhances it or it changes it to a different quality at all? We know for sure. We know for sure because we grow more than one thousand and five hundred layers. Uh, that uh, uh, um, that been in the full process of SUS. Um, we grow them to a period of time of 24 months. So that's the period of time in general that layer uh, lay eggs. Um, and we compare the results, this group with a group of 20,000 birds from the same breeds, of course. So we will have the exact, uh, at the same time and with the same breeds. Uh, and we compared the results and it was 99.9 identical to the, to the control group. So we, we know for sure uh, that the layer do not uh, have any effect on the layer from any perspective, not mortality, not health of the layer was something that also was very important for us to check. Uh, and of course, from the egg, uh, it's the same percentage of egg laying. Uh, it's the same quality of egg. It's the same crack shell. It is the same size uh, of eggs. So when it's female, it's female. That's great. And then are, are, are consumers responding to your products? Um, I'm guessing some farms are already um, um, partnering with your company and things like that. Are they all responding? What has been the experience so far? So it's really, really depend you ask most of the people 
from their perspective, egg is an egg is an egg. Uh, that's the answer that we are getting. If you ask young people, uh, that's that's the answer. That, that's the answer in general that you will receive from them. I, I'm saying that because we did a research with the business school, uh, London Business School, uh, with a master student. They did a very very large research about it, and most of the people. That's what in general. That's what they say. And the fact that we are saving the male chick's life is much 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 more important. To people uh, than the fact that they are reverse chicks. Mm. But, and then something that we need to emphasize, of course, there are always uh, groups um, that in general do not like the fact that we are eating eggs or the livestock industry, etc. cetera. Um, and from their point of view, it's, all, it's, all, it's, it's a problem. The fact that we grow chicks in general and they lay eggs and we use those eggs to, to consume, et cetera. That's a problem. So those are the parts uh, that we are dealing with, but even with those groups, and we had some connection with the, um, the lady that's responsible for the animal welfare in uh, Israel mm -hmm. uh, from governmental perspective, and also with people from France, and also from their perspective, the fact that we are, we are saving the male chick's life is much, much more important than other stuff because eventually people understand that um, the industry won't stop and, and hence we lay eggs mm. if you want them or not they lay eggs right right definitely i think I, I would like to add um, that most a lot of people doesn't really aware about this issue that they when they go and buy an egg they don't think about uh, where the egg came from and the industry that is killing the male chicks during the way that they are eating during the way they the most there is no awareness here in the us for that and i think this is something that we are a little bit behind europe um and i think people are more care about if it came from cage free or not mm -hmm. and they don't think about the way that it's still the same way about killing the the male chick and what's going on in the way that uh, looking for the animal welfare in the cage free. Right, uh, that, that's, that's so true because a lot of people are not aware of what happens to the male chicks. You just know that you've got this nice eggs from the store. You really don't know what the process entails. So it was quite interesting for me to read the breakdown from, from some of your articles about what actually happens behind the scene in egg production. And uh, what happened to some of the, the males? And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's really interesting to, to see how things work out and how you are stepping in to solve some of the problems. Some of us are not even aware exist. So it's, uh, it's remarkable. So what should we expect from your company in the next five years? What do you see in the future? Um, I see that most of the hatcheries globally, most of the poultry integration globally uh, will use SUS technology as part of their regular process. Um, I know we have competitors and our competitor are doing, every, every, all of our competitors are doing sex identification. It's mean that trying to identify during embryonic period, which egg is the male and which egg is, egg is the female and leave the female at the hatchery and uh, exterminate the, the eggs 
the male eggs, if I can say it like that. So, um, but that solved even not half of the problem. Okay, so I think uh, eventually most of the hatchery globally will use SUS technology as a part of their uh, process. That's how I see it. I see collaboration with the big poultry integration worldwide. I think this, uh, this year, 2022 and next year, our job is to uh, meet all the early adopter of technology in the industry. Um, we need to remember industries in general are very traditional. It's not Google, it's not Microsoft, it's not high tech. Uh, there is a lot of high tech in the poultry industry, but eventually it, most of the companies are, even if they are huge, they are family companies, they are very conservative, and uh, we need to find the early adopters, do the pilots with them, show them that the, the technology actually works and how it works and how can it affect them for good, and then... Um, the limit is the sky, I guess. <laughs> That's great, the sky. Know, That's really great. In, in our time, the, the sky are not limits anymore. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's just the starting points. That's exactly true. So uh, it's really interesting to see what you're doing and how, um, how it can shape the future of um, the poultry industry. But beyond the poultry industry, really, it's, you will start seeing different ways to apply the same technology to other things uh, to um, solve other problems as well. A quick question. I, I know you have mentioned um, some of the things you use um, in your processes, but is, is that laser involved in any way? No. No? Okay. no. Okay. Because laser is invasive method mm. and uh, everything that involved with laser eventually will uh, decrease hatchability. Mm. Uh, and, that's, and that's a problem. You okay. don't want to decrease hatchability for nothing. But for what you say, um, if what we are doing now in SUS uh, will affect um, uh, other industries or other uh, researchers, that's for sure. That's, that's a positive. Until now, um, the traditional medicine didn't work a lot with uh, sound vibration. We use sound vibration for MRI, we use sound vibration for ultrasound, but not sound vibration at the level that we can hear. And what we are proving here in SUS is that sound vibration can actually change and reassignment cells and for the best. I think uh, the traditional uh, medicine uh, can consider this use as a non-invasive method to solve um, um, diseases or problems. I know there is research in the Technion Israel is one of the best universities in Israel uh, that leads by uh, uh, to treat cancer, uh, cancer cells with sound vibration. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there is a, a research about using a sound vibration to cure tennis elbow, for instance, and other stuff. Uh, I think if we use those methods to, um, to human being, uh, it will help medicine in much more, how they say, and non-invasive way, uh, less uh, drugs, a more healthier way. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I agree with you. We'll definitely see uh, different applications for this technology. It's really innovative. And one final question before we wrap things up today. When you look at the food industry today and you think about the next five years, what do you see? 
and um, how can your com company contribute to that beautiful future that you envision? If you ask me, and I let Efrat answer after me. Okay. The food industry is wasting too much, producing too much. Um, and I think that's the biggest problem of the Western world. It's not about the fact that we are consuming uh, um, meat or we are consuming um, other things. The problem is, from my point of view, the way I see it, that we are uh, producing too much, um, eating too much, eating more than we need to eat. Uh, and that's, from my point of view, the biggest problem of the food industry uh, these days. I think we can. I think we are contributing to this issue also by uh, using less resources to produce more. So you can use. You don't need to do so many cycles of hatching to feed the same number of people. Uh, that's part of the the way I see as not um, wasting food. Uh, with what we are doing in SUS. Uh, I think, I hope there will be more innovation and more startups uh, that came at the Agen uh, food industry that will uh, consider seriously to take care of the, um, how do you say, the waste, food waste. That's a word I, I look for. Mm, that's great. Yifrat, what do you think? Um, I think that there are going to be more technologies. I don't know if it's for good or bad, but uh, people are seeking for it and it's going to be uh, a lot of innovative products on the way, but they're still going to be traditional. So if you are looking at, I don't know, about eggs or about uh, even cereal and I don't know, cookies or whatever, it will still be the same, but the ingredients will be different. Um, I think that people, I hope that the food industry will be more aware of the ingredients that they put in the in the product and they will even look at sus technology egg which i see you know this contains sus egg so they will be more conscious and aware of what they are eating and what this food or ice cream or cake whatever is making of so i think this is the process that people are going more about the gen z or even younger people than maybe me but i think the awareness is getting higher also about the waste and maybe hopefully we will eat less. I don't know. I'm going to the supermarket and I don't know what to what to choose. There's too much, and I have to try everything. So, this is the the US. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I um, I agree with you. The Gen Z, the younger generation, millennials, um, the Gen Z, the uh, even the younger generation uh, coming after that, they're all very mindful of the environment, mindful of food and health, mindful. So. They are driving change and will continue to see change and innovation in the food industry. Oh, we look forward to seeing more of that, more of that. And your company like yours as well, uh, innovating to reduce waste in our supply chain. Definitely uh, it's something desirable and hopefully we'll see more of and more acceptability of such innovation as well. Uh, Yahel and Ifred, thank you so much for joining me and sharing uh, your insights with us today and with our audience. And to everyone listening, until the next time when I bring, <clears throat> excuse me, an exceptional guest your way, stay safe and we'll connect with you soon. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another session of Food and Health Talks. We invite you to subscribe to this channel 
share this with your friends and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a review for us. Together, we are joining hands to shape a healthier future of food.